So like prayer is everything to me. Prayer is like the only thing that I have to lean on besides my wife and kids, right? And they're just humans, so you can only lean on them so much. But man, you can lean on God all the way. You can give everything to the Lord. That's what it says in the Bible, so you have to believe it, right? I, I figure it's really simple. We only have a few little instruction guides of what to follow, so either do it or don't. And it's really simple. You either lay it all over or you just give a little tiptoe. And that's okay if you just give a tiptoe, if that's comfortable where you're at. But man, when you give it all over, it's unbelievable. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Uncertain times can cause us to reflect about and reassess what really matters to us. When we take that time to get quiet, pray, and really ask ourselves why we've been put on the earth to begin with, we can begin to feel a sense of purpose that directs our next move. And when we're moving in the direction of our purpose, we begin to connect to our impact in the world and feel the satisfaction of knowing we can make a difference. Our guests this week have come to their sense of purpose and direction through prayer, understanding their strengths and passions and events that made them pause and look within themselves toward what matters most to them. We're speaking with country music singer and songwriter, Chris Jansen, and his wife, Kelly, and author and president special counsel of Comcast, Steve White. Let's hear first from Chris and Kelly. I'm Chris Jansen, father, husband, Christian, country music singer and songwriter. This is my wife, Kelly. So uh, music has been a, a really part of the fabric of my life since I was probably nine years old. That's when I picked up a guitar for the first time. And um, I learned drums, guitar, bass, and piano all in one week. I'm self-taught. I don't take lessons. I can't read music. I have no idea about musical theory. I can't read notes. I can just hear it and do it. And it's been that way since I was nine years old. I never felt like I ever struggled in Nashville. I mean, I moved to town on a Thursday and got a gig because I asked for one. I moved to town in like 2006, right out of high school. I was living in my car and I just drove straight down from Southern Missouri. I went to Lower Broadway first. It was like the honky tonks, went to Tootsie's and nobody was playing traditional country music in the mid 2000s and really still now down there. I came into town playing not only Southern gospel, but Jerry Lee Lewis and Waylon Jennings and Johnny Cash and Hank Jr. and just playing those kind of things. I was not a songwriter yet. So I walked in and I played Folsom Prison and that's how I got my gig. But, you know, in that 13, 14 years, I mean, physically, emotionally, mentally, I wasn't right. You know, I didn't have an awesome wife. I didn't have awesome kids. I didn't have the right record deal at the time. And so I think that God puts certain situations in your life, to be honest with you, that that really mold you. And I think sometimes you have to live in those spaces and almost kind of be miserable sometimes before you really get to see the clarity at the end of the tunnel. I was out kind of, you know, pseudo party and hanging out, you know, with my friends in a pool hall in Nashville called Melrose Billiards. It's an underground pool hall. And uh, they had songwriter nights there and I wasn't playing at the songwriter night, but I was just out and about with some music people and she was working at a record label at the time. And I didn't know her at all. I'd never seen her before. I didn't know she worked at a record label. She came walking down the stairs and she was there to scout, to listen to songs, right? Talent scout, if you will, for songs. And I knew who he was. I tried to sign him. I saw him perform early on and I was like, oh my goodness, like this man has it. I'm, I went back and told my label people, I was like, I don't know what I saw, but I know I saw talent, like the most unbelievable performance I've ever seen. 
and I have to sign this artist. When I mentioned God's timing earlier, we didn't know each other and she ironically over the next three years had started coming to some of my showcases because I was just trying to get a record. I was really just trying to be famous, you know, and um, get a record deal and just get it going. And she would come out and from the label and like watch my shows. I would just see her every now and again and I was like, oh man. And I was really in, just really enthralled with her and I didn't even really know her. So truth is told, I didn't want a record deal. <laughs> I did not want to write songs. <laughs> I had one thing on, on agenda and that was to marry this woman, that's it. I had no idea. God had a huge hand in all of it. Big time. Like a big hand in all of it. Cause I was a single mom, I was raising two children. His heart was way like nothing else you could even imagine, like just huge. And I remember saying, well, I have kids. He's like, great, that's a bonus. And later when he decided to ask me to marry him, he literally asked both my children first and took them with him to get the ring. And then they all proposed to me together. Six months really after we'd started dating. This book, this Jesus Calling, this exact one actually, and you can tell we've definitely used it. After he started his record deal, right after we'd gotten married, he was at a really weird spot. Just, you know, sometimes record deals and the business is harder than it looks from, you know, you think, oh, it's just music, but there's a lot that goes into it. And there's a lot of imaging and things that they do. Anyway, he was miserable to say the least. Oh yeah. And he would call me from the road and literally I would read this to him in the mornings before he went out to do what he was doing. And I think it brought him a lot of peace, right? Oh, like yeah. that was part of our first six months of dating. That's how I personally, aside of Kelly, ever even heard about Jesus Calling is because she was reading it to me. You know, since 2001, I've been a Christian and, uh, or an actual believer that is, you know, and before that it was so wishwashy that I didn't even know what to believe, honestly. And I found, actually Christ found me, you know, April 13th, 2001. So that was good in Shelbyville, Tennessee at First Baptist Church. But yeah, I've been a believer ever since. But like, you know, when you become a believer and then you, you know, and you're a young guy or, or a young girl, whatever, you know, you, you wander through losing faith and all that. And I certainly had many times when I met Kelly, like she was super strong in faith. And I was like, dang, like, win-win. I mean, <laughs> awesome. I mean, she gets it, you know, and her kids, it was the greatest part was Graham and Shell, my older two kids. They're like, they are just incredible kids. And so honestly, that was a big part of our journey too, especially with this book in particular, because I walked into a house that was already a home, but it was already very well structured the way that it should be. You know what I mean? In my opinion, it was the just, best way we knew how to do heck, it. Yeah, it was just <laughs> Life's great. never perfect. It's so. just great. And it's, there's a funny thing. It's like, the more you have to tell somebody you're something, probably the less you are that. And Kelly never really had to tell me she was a Christian. She just walked in and talked it. And really through this book, professed it, you know, a, kind of over me, which was the great thing because in my opinion, this book is not preachy. It's actually written by a human. So it comforts you. Yeah, it does. But it's also just written from a human perspective, which is why I think we both like it so much because I don't like to be preached to I, at all. And I'm a songwriter. So I connect with something like this largely. And I think that's why she does too. And it's the cool part about it was she got this book as a gift from, from Ree Geyer, from Ree Geyer, a music publisher in town. She's been in the business for years and just a super solid woman and a good friend of ours still to this day. 
but man, it was just a neat thing because she gifted it to me one day in her office because we would listen to songs. She would play songs to me because that was my job. And you meet people through your work. And, you know, she was just another wonderful, I guess you'd say angel that came into my life that had good knowledge. She was a godly woman, someone that I could look up to and she would give you strength when you needed it. And right there in her office, she handed me this and that yeah, was and, it. And it's not like, I'm not a person who praises books or things, but I will say that because of this book in particular and her reading it to me while I was on the road, like her reading this to me gave me a little bit of peace. He has a songwriter's room downstairs and in the middle of the night, we had the alarm on. We felt extremely safe. I mean, we, you know, we, in the middle of the night, I heard just this little faint, like, beep, beep, beep. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, is there like a toy in the toy box that's beeping? You actually asked me, you're like, you're like, did you leave the dishwasher open? I'm like, why is the dishwasher beeping? Because it sounded almost like the dishwasher when it's done. And so I'm like, would you get up and come in there with me? Because I'm a scaredy cat. And he walks in there with me and we, you could barely hear it. So I'm like, that's weird. And it wasn't the dishwasher. And he opened the door that to one, door the right downstairs, downstairs and said, oh, there's a fire. Oh my gosh, there's smoke. And right when he opened it, everything, shoo, literally, this whole room. if we had not, it, God woke me up. Like, because I don't hear very well anyway. Like I've ruined my ears with music over the years. And so literally- Truly woke her up, like for real. And. The house was on fire right below where our children were sleeping and where we were sleeping. So our king size bed, the ceiling fan below was, was already melting from the flame and our bed would have been the next thing to fall right through into the fire. So you have all the square footage and literally the one place was the fire right under our bed. The kids and I, obviously we all called 911. The fire department came, we ran outside. I got the kids in the car and ran down. So they could get in and Chris literally ran to the pool and started getting buckets of water and he ran against our will. We begged him not to, but he's that man and he's not scared of anything. And he ran in and threw it on the fire and put it out. But one more minute, if God had not woken me up, it, we would probably not have survived. And the one thing that did survive downstairs in that room is our Jesus Calling book. But it did survive, so that was pretty cool. It's like a awesome random act of God, I guess. I think through our family, it gives us all peace, knowing that God is always there and you can talk to Him no matter where you are. It gives confidence, it gives peace. The power of prayer, I mean, we do it before our kids get out of the car in the mornings. We hold their hands and we pray. It might be three or four, it's very quick. She helped me with that, to be real clear, because when we first got together and still now, a lot of times over the last 11 years, I'll be like, you know, do you think God's got it in reference to whatever it may be, music, singles? It doesn't matter what it is. Do you think God's got it? She's like, are you crazy? Of course. And it's so true. I saw God when our children were born. I saw God when we got married. I saw God when I was sleeping in the back of a car. I mean, I've seen him in so many things. I see him all around me and it's such a powerful thing. That's where it comes from. I mean, how could you deny it? One of my continuously things that I pray about a lot is that, that God opens the doors and that God leads the ship. 
and that we're not really leading it and that we remember that and we just let him control it and whatever he has is the best interest for us and that's great and he's never let us down yet so i just i have to believe in that and i believe i do believe in that and i don't i don't doubt that to learn more about chris and kelly and to check out chris's latest music please visit chrisjansen.com stay with us for steve white's story after a brief message Motherhood. It's a journey like no other, teeming with love, unparalleled dedication, and moments that pierce the very essence of your soul. It's a trek that demands to be celebrated, lauded, and embraced in its entirety. Celebrate the moms in your life this Mother's Day with two beautiful gift books, Jesus Calling for Moms by Sarah Young and Grace for the Moment for Moms by Max Licato. These heartfelt devotionals will remind the moms in your life just how special they are. Jesus Calling for Moms and Grace for the Moment for Moms are available now where all books are sold. During times of transition and unknown next steps, it's more important than ever to cling to the promises of God and to tune your ear to what Jesus has to say. Jesus Calling for Graduates is an encouraging compilation of 150 devotions from Sarah Young's brand. Grads will find topics such as discerning God's will, self-worth, trust, support, and much more. Jesus Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for a special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com. Steve White grew up under the influence of his mother's strong faith and work ethic. Through her perseverance, Steve became the first in his family to pursue a college education at Indiana University. Echoing her positive attitude and ability to get better in his own life, Steve carved out success in the fields of sales, marketing, and management, ultimately being named the president of Comcast's West Division, leading over 30,000 employees and driving a revenue of nearly $18 billion. Now, as president, special counsel to the CEO, Steve has written a book called Uncompromising, How an Unwavering Commitment to Your Why Leads to an Impactful Life and a Lasting Legacy, where he shares what he's learned over the years and pays tribute to the people who helped him along the way to find his purpose, motivation, and his why in life. I'm Steve White. Through faith, through focus, through commitment, and through family, I was able to enjoy and realize the American dream. I really tried to build my life into three buckets, family, giving back, and then staying intellectually stimulated with business. So I serve on three public boards, Hormel, WW Granger, and Shaw Communications, along with the Comcast work. So I feel that I've got the business stuff going and I'm consulting and helping a few folks. Then giving back, I serve on a board called New Leaders, where we focus on developing public school principals. My wife is a minister. She often goes into prisons on Sunday. She stepped away a little bit with our son being born. So, But she now leads Moms in Prayer, which is an organization, a national organization, and she leads it for my son's school for a bunch of moms. And so she does that, and I have a nine-year-old. So that means I'm driving to a lot of baseball practice, basketball practice, 
supporting my wife has moms come over every Monday for the moms in prayer. So I feel that I've got a good balance there, but the mission does not change as it relates to making an impact. Because I remember my pastor telling me, he says, Steve, my pulpit just happens to be here at the church. And that's my pulpit, but your pulpit is business. And while you don't have to go, you know, do daily Bible studies, but the way you lead, the way you handle yourself, the joy you display, that's your pulpit. And so treat it as such. And it's amazing how it draws others to you because, you know, they're looking for guidance and support. And when you can do it through your actions, that's even better. I was blessed starting helping my mother clean motel rooms when she left my father. We moved to Indianapolis, Indiana from Florida, and she was cleaning motel rooms. And you get to see and learn a lot about people when you're at the bottom of the rung cleaning motel rooms. And certainly my mother's skill set was much greater than cleaning motel rooms, but she approached that job with an aggressiveness around work ethic with the right attitude. No matter how dirty that room was, she always approached it with enthusiasm and a level of commitment to excellence. And so recognizing that you should never allow your circumstances, your environment impact your ability to dream. When my mother made the difficult decision to leave my father, and must I tell you, that was not a popular decision with me as the oldest of four boys because I love my dad, but she made the difficult decision to go a different direction. And I remember family members, maybe not really understanding what they were saying, saying those kids are not gonna amount to anything if you leave. If you leave, you're setting them up for failure in life. And as a 10 year old, you don't really understand that, you know it's not positive, and you don't realize how much it's impacting you. And so early on in my life, going through high school and college and early in my career, I was trying to prove something to someone else that I am worthy, that I was a success. I did make things happen. But guess what? That is short lived. I started learning to change my motivation. So when you start to dream for a better life and you get exposed and you see what others have and maybe what you don't have, it gives you a taste of what are the possibilities. And the more you demonstrate an interest in being better, the more you demonstrate that you want your light to shine brighter. What I found was more people were attracted to me to give me that hand up, to give me that opportunity. And so when you provide real opportunity to people, it's amazing what they will strive and what they will accomplish. You don't go from the housing projects of Indianapolis. You don't go from cleaning motel rooms to one of the top positions in one of the top companies in America in Comcast without a lot of people giving you a hand up. You never can stop learning. I'll share a short story with you. My stepfather, who's no longer with us, he was 89 years old when he passed away four years ago. But I remember him coming into our life and at 75, he was taking Spanish lessons. Who does that? 
But this this desire that if I have the skills, the potential, and I'm still sharp mentally at 75, why not? And so those are the lessons that have been imparted upon me through my life that fuels this journey of let's live life as a learning lab. It's one of those things that you never know. So one of my favorite quotes is Theodore Roosevelt, our 16th president. And he has this quote called the man in the arena. And the gist of the quote is people that we should admire are the men and women that are in the arena, whether they win or lose or successful or not, but they're marred in dust. They've got blood on their, on their shirt. They've got a bloody eye because they're in the arena making it happen. And great things cannot happen unless you're in the arena. So learning is being in the arena because you never know what can happen. There are only two things ultimately you can really control and that's your attitude and effort. And how do I continue to get better at that? Particularly from a work ethic standpoint, how do I not put in more hours, but how do I get smarter about the investment of hours? How do I prepare my attitude in a way that is positive and uplifting, not looking through rose colored glasses, but it's positive and uplifting because I think it's very difficult to try to improve many, many things. I believe the focus is find three or four things and really get better at those three or four things. And you will find that that will carry you through a lot of difficult situations. And so as I progressed in my career, I got smarter about my attitude. I got smarter about my work ethic. I got smarter about who I selected to put on my team because that impacted my attitude. If I worked around smart people, energetic people, it actually improved my attitude. So I started thinking about what I could do to get better in those areas. And that's uh, what propelled me to make progress throughout my career. There's a song and it goes like this. You die twice in life. You die the day they put you in the ground and you die the second time, the last time someone mentions your name. What a life when long after you're gone, people are still mentioning your name in a positive light. It's a life well lived because no one remembers how much money you have. No one really remembers how big your house was. No one really remembers how many awards you got. What they do remember, did you change my life? Did you impact my life? That's what people remember. We all have a purpose. We're all here on this earth for a reason. And so the more you can get quiet and reflect, it will help you start to identify your purpose and why. For example, in corporate America, it's called the great resignation. I call it something else. I call it the great reset. I think people are now at a very vulnerable stage in their life and they're trying to figure out what makes them happy. What is their purpose? How can they live life that is fulfilling? And as they ask themselves that question, they're making conscious decisions that I don't want to work for this company or I don't want to work for that person or I don't want to be here. And that's what I call the great reset. 
But the way when I coach people on trying to identify their purpose and why, I start, say, let's do an inventory. What are you passionate about? I mean, really, really passionate about. And then let's take that list. And what do you think you're really good at? I like to golf. I'm passionate about it. But if I say, am I really good at it? I'm okay, but I'm really not great at it. Then the third question, would you do it for free? Now, if you can start to piece the answer to those three questions, what are you passionate about? What are you good at? Be honest with yourself. Get feedback if you need to. And then what would you do for free? Now you start to get closer to your purpose and your why. Now you're starting to focus in on your purpose and why. And then when you start to answer those questions, you reflect on it, you pray on it, you spend time with yourself, talk to others that you trust. And that's why it's so important to spend time with yourself, really thinking about what is your purpose and why are you on this earth? Because now it has a framework for decision making as you go forward. Morning is my time to get up early, to reflect, to pray, that's how I stay in touch with me and what opportunities are coming my way because I get really quiet. I have a special place in our house that I go and I just be quiet and reflect and think and pray, which allows me not to miss those future opportunities. Jesus listens, my Jesus, You designed me to live in union with you. I'm thankful that this union does not negate who I am. On the contrary, it makes me more fully myself. I've discovered that when I try to live independently of you, even for short periods of time, I experience emptiness and dissatisfaction. But when I walk in the light of your presence, you bless me with deep, satisfying joy. I delight in praising you, exalting in your righteousness. Help me to find fulfillment in living close to you, yielding to your purposes for me. Sometimes you lead me along paths that feel alien to me. At such times, I need to cling to you, trusting that you know what you're doing. When I follow you wholeheartedly, I can discover facets of myself that were previously hidden. You know me intimately, far better than I know myself. In union with you, I am complete. In closeness to you, I am transformed more and more into the one you created me to be. In your beautiful, righteous name, amen. One of the things I'll share with you in my life, there are only 12 decisions that have really mattered. I actually went through one day and thought about my life and said, what are the decisions that really, truly matter that, you know, is so important that you get right? Because most decisions, we make mistakes and we can rebound from it and we move on. Sometimes we take a bad job that we don't like, you know, you dust yourself off and you go do something else. 
or if you're in a bad relationship, you dust yourself off. But there are only 12 decisions that really mattered. And a third of those decisions centered around relationships, who I married, who are my friends, what kind of relationship do I want to have with God, the relationship that I have with my sons. Think about this now. There are only 12 decisions that I believe really matter. Four or five of those, or almost a third, all come down to relationships. So now you start to think about the most important things. So don't sweat the small stuff. Dust yourself off if you make a mistake, but really get the big ones right. And you're on your way to finding and living your purpose and really having a life of impact and legacy. I learned early on, and it's still a daily journey, having all this outward success is not fulfilling. If that's it, if that's all you have, But when you know how you got it, it actually allows you to enjoy it a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because I've been there where I thought, man, if I got this or I got a house this size, or if I had this car, man, my life is set. And you start to realize, yeah, once you get it, that little joy lasts for a a second. And then all of a sudden it's just a car, it's just a house. You get no real enjoyment. But when you appreciate how you got it, it allows you to enjoy it a little bit more. And then when you use that to help others and make an impact on others, boy, then that's that's when the light really shines bright. You can find Steve's book, Uncompromising, How an Unwavering Commitment to Your Why Leads to an Impactful Life and Lasting Legacy, wherever books are sold. If you'd like to hear more stories about finding your purpose, check out our interview with Sadie Robertson. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we hear from Lanny West, a former music executive who struggled with alcohol and drug abuse early in life. He's found peace in the hills outside of Nashville and now runs a wellness center for musicians and anyone who needs help restarting their life and connecting with God again. I look back on my life, and and even though I didn't know my real father, there was a father that was watching out for me. And I look back on all these experiences and know that Jesus Christ was had His hand in in saving me. Want to hear more inspirational stories of people who have been changed by a closer walk with God? Then subscribe today to the Jesus Calling Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please be sure to leave a review, which helps us reach and inspire others with these stories. Plus, if you like seeing our guests as well as hearing them, you can find video interviews available on our YouTube channel at youtube.com Jesus Calling Book on Facebook and on the Jesus Calling Instagram page.